It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Blog Talk Radio. Beast, it will destroy us all. You can listen to this naysayer, but I promise you this. If we succeed, all will share in the wealth of the mountain. You will have enough gold to rebuild Eskaroth ten times over! All of you, listen to me! You must listen! Have you forgotten what happened to Dale? Have you forgotten those who died in the firestorm? And for what purpose? The blind ambition of a mountain king. So riven by greed, he could not see beyond his own desire! You have no right. No right to enter that mountain. He has the only right. Welcome, everybody, to Cinema Royale. I am your host, Travis Hobson, and that clip you just heard was from The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. It is Smaug, people, not smog, like smog, smaug. I've heard so many people screw that up this week, it's, it's crazy. It's smaug. Oh, anyway, we're going to be talking about Peter Jackson's latest uh, in just a moment, and we're also going to delve into Saving Mr. Banks. This is the... Mary Poppins, P.L. Travers biopic uh, starring Tom Hanks and Emma Thompson. Uh, Oscar grab? Oscar, Oscar grab? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hollywood loves movies about itself. Uh, so we're going to talk about we're going to be talking about that in just a moment as well. And later today, uh, we're also going to have an interview with John Sayles, one of my favorite directors ever, uh, to talk about his latest movie, Go for Sisters. 
which uh, is probably opening in like two theaters nationwide, <laughs> and <laughs> nobody will see it. But I'm telling you, uh, you might want to go and check it out if it's in your town. But we're going to be talking to him uh, in just a little while. But uh, right now we're going to be joined by my buddy, my pal, the president of WAFCA, Tim Gordon. Talk a couple of movies. All right, Tim, so uh, let's talk about The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. Uh, this is Peter Jackson's sequel to The Hobbit, uh, An Unexpected Journey, which a lot of people didn't really like for some reason. I, I mean, okay, I get it. It was, a, it was a little meandering. It didn't have a lot of... It didn't have a lot of urgency to it, but in general, I enjoyed it. And this film basically picks up where that one left left off. Uh, Bilbo, uh, played by uh, Martin Freeman, uh, has grown into his role as the the burglar of the uh, of the Fellowship, and he's on a quest to the Lonely Mountain to uh, to basically defeat the the dragon Smaug and help the dwarves reclaim uh, their home. Uh, along the way, they run into all sorts of uh, orcs and elves and things like that. But the things that the thing that I really enjoyed about this movie is that I think Peter Jackson does a pretty good job of picking what things to pad out the story with because this is a very thin novel. This is Tolkien's thinnest novel, and right. breaking up breaking it up into thir- three parts is just ridiculous. But he does a pretty good job of picking things to 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 kind of divert from the story a little bit, like. Uh, focusing a lot of his attention on the elves this time with uh, right. Legolas and um, Toriel, played by Evangeline Lilly, mm-hmm. uh, who's beautiful as an elf. Yes. Uh, and, and as a human, and, too. And, and as a human. Uh, and their their romance and and all sorts of other things as well, including Gandalf's side journey, which sort of precursors the Lord of the Rings movies. But I just felt like this movie had a lot more immediacy to it. It has a purpose, and there's a lot more forward momentum. Uh, but, Tim, what did you think about uh, The Desolation of Smaug? Well, I agree with you. I think that uh, the biggest thing that they did, uh, from, from or the biggest transition that was made from the, the first film to the second film, is taking the focus off of Bilbo mm. and putting the focus on the elves. I thought that was a much more interesting story. Uh, as you said, them trying to get back to their home and Bilbo uh, being sent in to, to deal one-on-one with this dragon before all hell breaks loose. Uh, I thought that was a wonderful touch, and I thought that the pacing on this film moved a lot better than the, the, the first film, which I just kind of slept through the first half of it. I mean, <laughs> it, it bored me. The journey was slow and, and tedious, and I was like, ah. But this one, I think, starts off a little slow, but as you said, it really picks up. And all the way up to his cliffhanger, um, I thought it did a wonderful job. This is a much better film than uh, The Unexpected Journey. And if the film continues in this direction or with this momentum, and as I said, that sort of pacing in the third one, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing where this adventure goes. Yeah, and I think Jackson, uh, you know, the, uh, of course the movie looks brilliant. I mean, he's special effects have never been this, this movie's, this franchise's problem. But I think the way he shoots the action is is much more much more exciting this time. I would I would say the the sort of panoramic take he uses on the uh, the uh, the the river scene where they're traveling down in the barrels, which I think is just breathtakingly done. I think that is a fantastic scene. Lots of stuff going on in the background, in the foreground. 
there's a lot going on in this movie that I think people might miss, it, and I think would require multiple viewings, to be honest. Uh, I just think this one does a, a much better job, um, pretty much in every way than the first film does. <laughs> but right, I, I, and I also but, think that the romantic aspect they put in it, even though it's not heavy and it's not, you know, overdone, I think that's a nice touch as well to add some to add some more substance to the story. Right. Um, I agree with you. I, I think this is a, a massive improvement from one film to the other, which is really interesting because when he did the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the, as we talked about before, the first and third are probably the stronger two films in the middle being the glue movie. Right. It's really not that good. This one, he's going in a different direction. We're getting off to a slow start, and it seems like we're going to build in momentum, or as I call it, well, actually, I was going to use an analogy that it's not going to work because that was probably, you know, good movie, great movie, good movie. So I don't, I don't see this being so, – I, I don't even think the first one is really good movie to me. I think it's, like, movie, then really great movie, <laughs> and then I'm looking forward to seeing what the third movie is going to be. You were going to make a Star Wars analogy, weren't you? You are going to compare it to – I was going to make a Batman analogy, but, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, this isn't that. And, and and like I said, I've said before, I I liked The Hobbit, uh, An Unexpected Journey. I just didn't love it, and I felt like it, it it was a movie that sort of lollygagged its way through three hours, and that was a, obviously a big issue. But uh, but this one, I never got bored by it, and I think it actually picks up steam towards the end, right around the time when Smaug is introduced, uh, and we get that amazing sequence in his lair surrounded by gold and you have this just giant dragon who takes up practically the entire screen uh voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch who by the way is more menacing as the dragon than he ever was in Star Trek Into Darkness <laughs> I might add um yeah, yeah. <laughs> apparently he studied at the the, the zoo the dragon, the dragon school of, yeah. of acting no he actually studied lizards how they moved and they did motion capture with him that's amazing yeah I thought that was kind of cool that's that's awesome actually yeah and you know he Smaug is 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 uh, breathtaking to behold anyway, but I, I was uh, kind of worried about how they would handle that scene. I still wish that they had kept a lot of the the riddle aspects of it that are in the book because mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite parts. They kind of leave that out in favor of you know being a little bit more horror ish. Yeah, you know, and and that's fine. It, it works, but uh, yeah, I, I think they just I, I think this this pretty much sets the franchise back on the right track now. Did you, did you say horror-ish or horror-ish? Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. <laughs> now, Horish is a different movie. Uh, horror, horror is. Horror is. is what I would say. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. I was watching Blue is the Warmest Color last night when I that called it. That was at times. This no, I'm just kidding. It's not. It's not horse. Uh, <laughs> no, but that, that saving Mr. Banks is. That damn Mary Poppins. Oh, darn it. That skank Mary Poppins. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> but anyway, no, I, I agree with you. I think uh, this is a a big step in the right direction for the Hobbit, and uh, I'm curious to see where this third one is going to go because the, basically at this point we're left with a huge battle. Yep. We're, that's basically what we have left, 
and I'm wondering how they're going to pad out three hours with that huge battle. <laughs> I, and, and I know I'm 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 the loner here who did not like this movie, but uh, mm-hmm. I really wish they would have just squeezed this into one like three and a half hour flick, and I would have been really happy with it. I don't need a trilogy for for the Hobbit. I you know for Lord of the Rings it was definitely necessary. Even right. though at times that felt a little bloated, I still love that that, that series. The, um, the second film is extremely bloated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think in this one we're going to find that the third one is extremely bloated. The third one yeah. will be extremely bloated. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the way and this is going to go. I, I Honestly, I foresee, what I foresee for this next movie is that we'll get an hour of huge battle and an hour and a half of returning home. And I, I imagine, like, that final, those final moments of Return of the King, where you just kind of wished it would just end, or you, or you kill yourself. Yeah, that's what I imagine happening at the end of this one. Like we're like, it's the whole thing's over now. Or actually, what I think they might do is they'll probably spend the last half hour or so of this movie setting up the Lord of the Rings, which is probably the oddest thing about this trilogy right now is that we're getting. We're we're getting preludes to something we already know, right? And it, 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 <laughs> like, it feels like they're going out of the way to set up the next set of stories when they don't need to because we we've already got them. That's that is, Don't you find it a little bit strange, Tim? That we're getting like hint dropping, we're getting clues dropped about something we already know, we've already seen. <laughs> right, right, right. Now, how funny is that? But I think I think at the end, you know, because this third one is the last film. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah, so you'd be like, oh, I got it, then. Oh, yeah, photo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because, I, you know, it's funny. I totally forgot that the first film had set, had set it up with, with Frodo. Yeah, they did. And, and you know what? We didn't get any of Gollum in this movie. Not a single bit. Not a single bit. But we, but we did get, my precious. Yeah, <laughs> we did see a lot more of the ring, which I think is a good thing because uh, one of the things, we really needed to see Bilbo undergo that, at least the the beginnings of that addictive quality of the mm-hmm. ring. Yeah, you know, I, I was getting bored of him just kind of running around with it in his pocket. I wanted to see him do something with it, and his his character is go, undergoing an interesting arc. It's there are only two characters who are really getting a serious arc in this movie, and it's him, and apparently it's going to be Toriel. <laughs> yeah, uh. I like what they're doing with her, having her be sort of the outsider in her own clan. You know, the one who's right. fighting against their isolationist nature. I think that is an interesting an interesting aspect of this film that I hope they can explore a little bit more in the next one. Um, I don't necessarily think that she, that Evangeline Lilly was all that great in the movie. Uh, yeah, she for, wasn't bad, but she, you know, she, well, she exists. Well, I mean, but look, these, these characters, and uh, Tim, I think I mentioned this to you before, the things they say, we don't know what the hell they're talking about. Like, when she's talking about the sun and the moon and all this other crap, this, the stuff that just makes no sense to us. You know, yeah. All that's in the book, man. I, I've read the book. It did. <laughs> I tried, man. I tried. I mean, there's not a lot of like deeply personal conversation. This isn't natural dialogue we're getting here. So right. a lot of the stuff that they're saying, we're like, yeah, okay, yeah, that sounded really awesome. Uh, I don't know what it means. It sounded great though, and I think that's kind of her character gets a lot of stuff like that too. But um, but anyway, but Evangeline Lilly's okay. She's she's fun to look at. Is it? I think it's strange that we're talking about characters not hitting their arcs until like a second and third movie because I'm so used to it happening like in one movie. You know, like they they hit that arc and then their character completes a journey in one film and then you like if there is a sequel they have another journey or another another arc to hit and now we're waiting for you know second and third sometimes fourth movies before a character ever really even develops. It's kind of strange. Yeah, I agree. And I would say that Richard Armitage's character Thorn. Uh, Oak and Shield, you know, he's pretty much 
he's pretty much going to be who he is throughout the entire movie. Yeah. He's not going to get much of, much of an arc either, he, as important as yeah, he is. He, I mean, I think they're going to try to establish one, but it's kind of late, yeah. too late for that. We've gone two movies, and he's pretty much in the same place he was before. So Exactly. Uh, but anyway. But okay, so we both like The Hobbit, Desolation of Smog. Um, all right, so we're going to take a quick break, Tim, and when we come back, we're, you and I are going to talk about uh, your favorite movie of the year, Saving Mr. Banks. So uh, we'll be right back. Saving Mr. Banks, the latest Disney film about Disney. It's a Dis- it's a Disney movie about Disney. So uh, if you're expecting a lot of like like you know har- hard hitting <laughs> uh, hard hitting look at the making of Mary Poppins, uh, this probably isn't the movie you're you're looking for. Uh, Saving Mr. Banks stars Tom Hanks as Walt Disney and Emma Thompson as uh, Mary Poppins author P. L. Travers. And as you heard in that clip. Uh, Disney had been fighting with her for 20 years to try to gain the rights to make a movie about Mary Poppins, and she had fought them every bit of the way. Uh, But when she hits a financial skid, she kind of relents and agrees to let them move forward with the film without actually signing on to a deal. Uh, And as we see for the rest of the film, she's a bit of a bitch about the whole thing, really. I mean, she just kind of... (laughs) I hate to use that word, but it's true. She's a no, bit of a no, that's she's, an she's accurate a description. Of a, she's a bit of a bitch about the whole thing, uh, complaining about the colors, about the actors, the music, and of course there can be no animation whatsoever. Uh, yeah, she's a total snot about this whole movie, and sort of the mystery of the thing is exactly why she's being so protective of it. 
and we come we through flashback we 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 learn that uh we learned about her father played by Colin Farrell brilliantly done by Colin Farrell in my net uh, a man she absolutely adores but we also have come to learn is a irresponsible uh alcoholic mm-hmm. uh so yeah so kind of uh, like Colin Farrell okay. <laughs> just kidding <laughs> what did you think about this film tim um it's it, it's a it's an interesting movie from a standpoint, uh, and I I think I've said this before and I'll repeat it that it reminds me of these these sorts of films that Hollywood makes that are about its industry. You know, we saw it a couple several years ago with Hugo as well as uh, the artist. Uh, here's another one, and this one comes complete with Walt Disney or the Disney Company's like full blessing because you you hear audio tapes at the end of the film yeah. uh, of the actual actress. You see uh, Disney just pulling out. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All the stops to kind of document uh, and show the audience this relationship between Walt Disney and P.O. Travers. Uh, who's very, very reluctant to have her screenplay signed over in Disney-ized uh, in a way that she Relu- sees from reluctant. the animated film. Reluctant is letting her off the hook. <laughs> well, she, she, well, well, I'm being nice. She, she's very, I'll say she's extremely hesitant to sign over her work. And, uh, and then there's this, uh, I think the backstory in some aspects is much better than the actual stuff in, in what I would call present day, which is the 60s in this film. Um, I think it's a pretty interesting backstory of not only Mary Poppins, which is the, 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 the title that Walt Disney is trying to kind of license, but the backstory and all of the emotional turmoil that comes along with the creation of Mary Poppins and what Mary Poppins represents to mm-hmm. P.L. Travers. Um, I thought Emma Thompson, and I know how you feel about her, I think she's probably one of the best things in this film because she gives the film, um, like, several things. She's the protagonist of the film or the primary person of the story is told through, but she also creates much of the conflict that's in the film in her relationship with Tom Hanks' character, I mean, with Walt Disney, uh, played by Hanks. Um, But I also think that... There is a payoff, uh, but I don't think there is enough of a payoff. But I still right. think that Thompson, who I really like a lot from a lot of her work and some of her earlier films, I really like her in this film. She's been getting a lot of attention through, you know, major awards, yeah. critics awards groups. 
Um, I think it's a performance that's going to get her an Oscar nomination for sure. Right. Um, but it, but it, there's just not a whole lot there. And in a year, as we've been talking about for, for months now, where they're really great films, good is simply not good enough. And, you know, Saving Mr. Banks falls into that. It's a good film, but it's not a great film. Yeah sort of a category for me. Yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 I get that. I, I know a lot of people like Emma Thompson in this movie. And look, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think she's obviously effective because I loathe that character with the heat of a thousand suns. I could not stand her in this movie. So she must have been pretty good at something. <laughs> she must have been pretty good at it because I really couldn't stand her. But, the, I mean, look, the biggest problem with this movie is it asks us to sympathize with Travers. It, it, it asks us to 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 understand that what she went through as a child with her with her alcoholic father <clears throat> ruined what, what she you know her hopefulness as she was as a youth and turned her into this bitter old, bitter old, bitter uh, woman as an adult and I don't feel like that connection was ever made I, and since the movie pretty much relies on us feeling that way that's a major issue for me but. Um, but you know, uh, Thompson. You know, Thompson puts her all of herself into this role. I mean, you look at her Nanny McPhee movies; they are obviously Mary Poppins inspired. She loves. She obviously loves this role. Loves Travers. <clears throat> but I just feel like it's a movie that does not do Travers any justice. I mean, there are times where I feel like the movie's point is merely to point out exactly how terrible. P.L. Travers was while they were trying to make this movie, and that, and they and that Disney did a better version of it than she did, <laughs> did a version version of it <laughs> than she did, despite her objections. And I think it's you mentioned the 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 audio tape that they play at the end of the movie. To me, that feels like like the exclamation point of that of that message. It's like why else would you play it? Why else would you play this 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 clip of her? Being such a snot during the production, what's the purpose? It doesn't. It doesn't make us like her. Is it supposed to be funny? I mean, I guess it's kind of funny, but it actually makes me like her even less. And because to me, it seemed like she was harming the thing that she loves so much, rather than protecting it. Like she could have, she could have aided Walt Disney in making this movie, rather than trying to hinder it. Instead, she tried to make it worse. And to me, that does not make any sense at all for someone who supposedly loves it and considers Mary Poppins a part of her family. So this movie has major problems for me, which is why I don't think it's very good at all. It's 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 a it's a welcome effort, and I understand what Disney's trying to do, but no, this this movie was this 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 did not work for me. So I love how you say no, no, no. They they tried, but uh, no, 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 no. Thanks to saving Mr. Banks. But uh, anyway. so, I, so I have a question for you, man. Yo. Um, you know, as I'm doing your show, uh, I'm filling out ballots, man. Um, I'm stuck on best supporting actress, man. I need some help. Best supporting actor or actress? Actress. I mean, I've got the Nyong'o and Lawrence in the first two slots, and I'm trying to figure out who the third person should be. And June Squibb, yeah, yes, I get it. Definitely. Um, Julia Roberts, yeah. yeah. No, I didn't have her. So. Either. I don't remember who I had in the other, in the four and slot, five slots for me. Uh, you have Jennifer Lawrence for American Hustle. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o for of the Slaves. June Squibb are my top three. I don't remember who my four and five were, to be honest. Would Amy Adams not be in there for you guys? She's a lead. 
Is she considered she's a lead, lead for American yeah. Hustle? Really? Yeah, she's okay. a lead. She's right. a lead. Yeah, and she was in my list yeah. for, that, for that too. I don't remember who my first so, five were though. So, well, yeah, man, it's just it's, it's, it's all of these incessant ballots, man, that people like Travis and I have to figure, have to fill out <laughs> over and over. You you've done what five now? Four or five? Something ridiculous like that. I'm glad I printed out all my nominees for the OFCS like a week or two ago. That way, I can just refer to it. I can just be like, okay, this is what I picked then, and I can I can just copy them down. So <laughs> I don't have to. Do, do, do you realize we have colleagues, man, that that belong to no group? I just find, I find that to be interesting, man. Like, really? I might have to scratch you off my colleague list, man, if you're not going through this kind of madness we're going through at the end of the year. <laughs> no, I mean, I seriously, I'm not being funny. I'm no, like, it's, wow, it's true. No, well, some people, you know, some people just aren't joiners, Tim. So, uh, <laughs> I got that joke. That's an inside joke, people. <laughs> That's why I laugh that way. But <laughs> yes, yes, Travis, uh, you're right. There are some people who are not joiners. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, my man, for uh, joining me on this show to talk about the Hobbit and saving Mr. Banks. Uh, tell people where they can find you at, which I know the answer you're going to give. But go ahead and tell people where they can find you at. Man, people can just go to Google, right? Exactly. And just I go to Film Gordon. See, Travis didn't expect me to say that. That's exactly, go to Google. No, that's exactly you, what I expected you to say. <laughs> go to, go oh, to Google and say? Gordon. <laughs> Man, you, you're a snot, as you, as you said know. yesterday. And people <laughs> fell out laughing. Like, he didn't call her a snot, did he? Damn. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's essentially where I'm at, man. I got a lot of stuff going on, man, like you do, so. You know, people Google us, and they, they find out everything. Radio, TV, print, online, media affiliations, blah, blah, blah. Yep, and you have your uh, annual Black Reel Awards coming up, right? Tell people about that real quick. Uh, Black Reel Awards, uh, voting closes tomorrow. Oh, actually, tomorrow. Today at oh, 5 shoot. o'clock. Okay. Okay. Um, you said nope? I said, oh, shoot, okay. <laughs> and uh, we will be announcing the nominees on Wednesday. Um, I've had a sneak peek since I don't vote. Uh, I think I think it's going to be interesting because it is not what you expect. I will just put it to you like that. I mean, we've known all award season what movie has been dominating. Uh, that movie will do well, but there's a movie doing better, which I think it was a surprise even to me last night. Like, wow. Man, I can't. I can't believe all those people voted for Peoples. I can't believe. I can't. I knew, yeah, I and, they, and they did, man. And, and I'm sure I'll get your people vote later on this afternoon. <laughs> I've already voted, and Peoples got nothing. So n- nothing for me. Anyway, <laughs> anyway I, I look forward to hearing how those nominations work out. The Black Rule Awards are always interesting every year. I'll say that much, uh, and they're always a lot of fun. And we and for, for those who who uh, don't know Tim's show, uh, it's Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. And we had an excellent conversation just the other night, me, Tim, and uh, our good friend Omar Moore from Popcorn Reel, uh, about the year in black cinema. Uh, and it was a fantastic conversation. You should definitely go check that out, uh, if only because you get a chance to hear me some more, which, you know. Who and and Omar slamming you. That was the funny part. That's the, see, I missed that, man, you know. Because when, when I slam you, it's not fun. But when Omar does it, well, he does it with a, with a British accent British, and yeah, eloquent. It sounds worse because it's British. So it sounds like I'm really getting 
I'm really getting crushed by some British guy. Like he's got a he's got a cup of tea in his hand or something while he's, while he's making me look like an idiot. But anyway, uh, <laughs> oh man! All right, well, thank, thanks a lot, Tim. I, I'm sure I'll be talking to you later on today. But uh, thanks for calling in this show, man. I appreciate it. All right, man. Not a problem, bro. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye. All right, so that was Tim Gordon, the president of Alaska, to talk about the Hobbit and saving Mr. Banks. And uh, as you can tell, he's my homie. Uh, we talk far too often, far, far too often. I see him too much. Anyway, uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to John Sales about his new movie, Go for Sisters. Uh, I'll be right back. Hang me, oh hang me I'll be dead and gone Hang me, oh hang me I'll be dead and gone I wouldn't mind the hanging But the laying in the grave So long, poor boy Been all around I've been all around Cape Jordan, parts of Arkansas, all around Cape Jordan, parts of Arkansas. Hey, Freddie. I like your posse. Who is that guy, Tony Orlando? You still got my package. Get back in the saddle? Something like that. My sister been married to police 40 years. She had a screw loose. Ain't a cop no more. Oh, yes, you are. You look like one. You smell like one. Punk guy is. I better tell Inez to get started on the funeral arrangements. Been around? Not lately. Since when, not lately? About two weeks. Might have passed over into TJ. He stayed there? If he came back, I didn't see him. Uh, you know, John Sales is a director who's been around a long time. He's been around uh, both the mainstream and the indie scene for a long time. He got started out writing creature features and kind of moved into his own thing, doing his own thing. And now he's he's pretty much an indie stalwart at this point. I sure. I, I love his movies. Lone Star, uh, Maidwan. My uh, favorite, Brother I, from Another Planet. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> Miles Dyson is in that movie. Main one is my favorite, but I also I, I have a, a a weird place in my heart for for Passion Fish. I don't know why. I guess I love that that female yeah. dynamic that he explores in that movie, and he explores it again in Go for Sisters, uh, which is a film that stars uh, two women you probably don't really know, uh, Lisa Gay Hamilton and Yolanda Ross. And Lisa Gay Hamilton, I remember from The Practice mm-hmm. a long time ago. Uh, one of my favorite underrated actresses. Um, just don't get to see her much anymore. Um, and they play two uh, South 
South Los Angeles women. Uh, one is a pro officer. The other is her, her old friend, an estranged friend from high school, uh, a druggie and also uh, a parolee. And um, when Hamilton's character's son gets up in a, mixed up with a bad crowd, he goes, mix, he goes missing in Mexico. And they set out across the border to find him, enlisting the aid of a half-blind, disgraced former detective played by Edward James almost. It doesn't necessarily sound like your typical John Sayles movie at all. at all, but it has all of the things you would expect from him. There's deep political commentary, uh, insightful character development. It's a brilliant movie, one that begins as one thing and turns into something totally different halfway in. Uh, and I absolutely adored it. Uh, in fact, I, I suggest everybody go out and try to find it uh, if you can. It is playing here in Washington, D.C. right now. Really? Uh, yeah, it, it came out today. Uh, it's a movie that I highly suggest people go out and see. But uh, I, I had a chance to actually sit down and talk with John Sayles, uh, which is a highlight for me, um, about this movie. And we had a nice little conversation. It's about 15 minutes long. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, so please check it out. I'm glad you took a few minutes to talk to me. I I just finished watching a, a Go for Sisters uh, yesterday, and I I really really enjoyed it. Okay, thanks. No, absolutely. Um, it's 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 a film I really like. To me, it's kind of unique. Um, it kind of works as a as a relationship drama, but it's also kind of wrapped in a mystery. Um, I'm curious where the idea for the film came from. You know, I, it, it was actually two ideas at first that I carried around for a couple of ideas. One was about the two women who uh, had been separated for 20 years and their their kind of status in life and their, you know, um, worldview had changed in those 20 years and, and you know, what, what it would be like if you got them back together and one has the power to, you know, just write something on a piece of paper and send the other back to jail. And uh, what does that do to a friendship? And then the other was about the uh, LAPD detective who pretty much followed all the rules um, and was true to the code of, of you know his fellow officers and didn't rat out a friend. Um, but he's the one who ends up uh, you know getting kicked off the force and he's losing his eyesight and uh, he's not the Terminator anymore. And uh, I, I, I wanted a way to combine them. And add this one thing that I, I'd run into the, about the, you know, the Chinese uh, people who are bringing illegal aliens into the country to add an area of, uh, of, of mystery that, you know, even Freddy Suarez with even all his, uh, you know, kind of expertise and experience on the police force would be totally at sea and not really have been able to penetrate. Um, and so it all kind of came together. And, and I, I think the other thing that happened was uh, very rarely do I try to think of who's going to be in a movie when I'm writing it. Mm-hmm. And this is a, uh, an occasion where I, you know, I, I got just a short way into the screenplay and said, I know who I want to have to have be in this. And it was, uh, <laughs> you know, Edward James almost, you know, obviously. And then, uh, you know, uh, Lisa K. Hamilton and Yolanda Ross. It's, it's funny because I was just I was when I was watching it I was like okay I'm not as familiar with Yolanda Ross but I've been watching Lisa Gay Hamilton since the practice and she's always been like a uh, she's always been like a, an actress that I really liked and I always wish I could see her in more stuff in 
And it's interesting yeah. to, uh, to discover that you kind of had them in mind from the very beginning. Um, was it yeah, always your exactly. plan to, to, to follow two African-American females and and uh, and have and go that route with them? You know, when I was thinking about it, not necessarily, but when I thought of those two actresses, I said, well, you know, that kind of tells us, you know, uh, obviously where the character's coming from and, and, and kind of um, what their world might be. I decided they would have gone to Compton High School together in, in California, and, uh, you know, so then that affects who you cast in the other parts of the people who, you know, the son and the ex-husband and, you know, things like that. So, yeah, actually, it wasn't originally designed for two African-American females necessarily. Um, but once I decided on those actors uh, who I wanted to work with, I actually at, uh, met Yolanda when she came into audition for the part that Lisa Gay Hamilton got and played in Honey Dripper. Um, you know, often, often I find good actors who aren't right for the part they're auditioning for, but uh, who I want to work with at, at some point. Yeah, because I, I was really taken aback by it because we just don't see movies like this with African American female leads very often. And not I not often. Yeah, it's it, why, you know, um, I think it's weird. I, I, I think it is too. I mean, it, you know, it, it, finally there's just so many good actresses out there who aren't getting much work. Right. Um, and uh, every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work. For what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, they're, you know, there's good stories and, you know, those relationships are interesting and, you know, there are not that many movies about white women hanging together either, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think the, the, you know, I can count the movies about, you know, black women's friendships, you know, on, on one hand. Right, unless they're, unless they're comedies or something like that, but, uh, this yeah. is, yeah. you know, obviously considerably more dramatic than that. Um, yeah. I, one thing I've always been impressed by with all of your movies, I've always really appreciated the level of detail you're able to put into your characters. I always found it so phenomenal how you, you show us so much about them without having to dig too deep into exposition and things like that. How much time and research do you put into creating the backstories for the characters in your movies? Yeah, you know, they're, they're, a lot of them are based on people I've met, but then when they're, you know, there's question marks, I go and I do some research, you know. So something like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Lisa Gay's character being a parole officer, I did quite a bit of research on, you know, the L.A., you know, uh, California parole system. Uh, Lisa Gay actually went out with a parole officer 
and came back to me with some even some more information and saw that got back into the script and certainly a lot of it got into her performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, when it, whenever you feel like you're on on thin ice, you you want to go and talk to more people or do a little bit more research about the people. Um, I had uh, run into this um, story about uh, a woman who was a Chinese woman who was arrested in New York about three or four years ago. Uh, down on Canal Street, who lived very modestly. She had this little tiny shop where she sold cheap stuff, um, and it turned out that she was the snakehead. She was the head of this multi-multi-million dollar smuggling ring, bringing people into the United States. Um, and that got me into a whole other you know, bunch of research and, and discovering that there was this just that the Chinese were more thorough and, and, and better at it, more, you know, less haphazard than the coyotes who were bringing Mexican people across, and that they were guaranteeing it. Uh, but they were also charging a lot more money, and they were getting you documents. Um, and that opened up a whole other thing of, of research of, uh, you know, the, the long history of Mexican Chinese people which is, you know, as, as rocky as the history is here because there have been, you know, kind of programs where Chinese people were kicked out of certain states in Mexico and, you know, made into victims and, you know, but there there also is, is a gateway into the United States now for the, the people smugglers. So you are always, uh, always able to gather great cast for your movies, but I really love the the people you have in this one, uh, even in some smaller supporting roles like Isaiah Washington and Hector Elizondo, who I thought was amazing to see him pop up. And, of course, Edward James Olmos, who I think he's also a producer uh, on the film, if I remember yeah. right. Um, how did all of that, how did all of those people come together in this one, especially Olmos, who I think is uh, really great here as Suarez? Yeah, I, I had uh, met Eddie Olmos at uh, two or three film festivals over the years. And, you know, he's... he's you know, been somebody who's been in the independent film world for a long time. He made a lot of movies with Robert Young. He's directed a couple independent movies himself. He's produced other independent movies. And he really, you know, kind of understands what the deal is. So to have my most experienced actor be a guy who really knows what it's like to shoot a movie in 19 days, uh, I, I think it set a great example for the, the rest of the cast and crew. Um, and then with the, you know, with, with the other actors, you, you, you have your wish list, you know. I've always wanted to work with Harold Perrineau, you know. I'd, uh, yeah. I'd actually offered Isaiah Washington a part in something else and he wasn't available. Um, you know, there's just a, some of them are, you know, Vanessa Martinez, this is the fourth movie she's done with me. Um, Lace Chula, you know, uh, Martha Igareta, who plays the son's girlfriend, is an actress I worked with when she was 16 years old in Mexico and she's gotten to be kind of a movie star down there. So you, you, you put it together and, uh, there, as I said, there are so many good actors and actresses that even if somebody's not available or not interested in doing it, there's usually two or three other people who can, you know, you've always wanted to work with who you can call on. Um, I know um, funding for your movies always tends to be an issue, but uh, how was it working on this film? Was was budgeting still a problem? Did you not have issues gathering the funds for it? Was it self-financed? Yeah, this self-financed, it's going to cost, I think it's going to end up costing about $800,000, which is pretty much Mm -hmm. what I had. Uh, You know, the, the war chest I've gathered 
um, from writing screenplays for other people and, you know, TV stuff for other yeah. people. And uh, so it, it was a low budget for a movie this ambitious, where we were using you know, professional actors and crew. Um, we had 65 or more locations in 19 days and shot in two different countries. So just, you know, you're buying a lot of gas for them. Um, and <laughs> location fees in Los Angeles are very expensive. Uh, and they added up to almost a fourth of the budget, you know, just paying people to use their restaurant or shoot in front of their building. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's always a, a consideration. And, um, you know, the good thing is that I've done 18 movies, and so I've got a lot of experience. So in the planning, I can be, you know, able to, to kind of think what's the most important thing here and prioritize things and then uh, be fairly efficient about how we shoot. Well, John, uh, what, what do you have planned uh, coming up next? Have you thought that far ahead yet about what you want to do to follow this up? You know, I, I've, I've always got two or three scripts that I've already written that I've been carrying around for years that I'd love to make, but um, obviously most of them are too expensive to self-finance, so those would depend right. on somebody, you know, either financing them or, you know, just saying, what do you want to do, which hasn't happened in 35 years in the movie business for me, so I don't know. <laughs> it's going to. Um, I'm, I'm writing a bunch of uh, bunch of things for other people. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the writing work is in cable TV right now, mm-hmm. um, and where some of the best work is being done, you know, quite yeah. honestly. Um, so uh, I don't know if any of those are going to happen. You know, so many things developed and so few actually get made that you, you never know. But, uh, you know, so, so, you know, I'm, I'm lucky in that I've got this bread job that, uh, you know, when I finish a movie, uh, I don't know if I'm going to get to make another movie as a director, but I at least usually have a job to make sure right. money back. Well, it seems like you've, you've you know, amassed a pretty loyal following of people who love you for the way you make movies, that you're not really, you're kind of outside of the Hollywood system. So I mean, it seems like those people will keep you. Yeah, alive. I, I wish they. I wish they added up to more money in the box. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I, I, I'd say there's probably about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of John sales fans out there who still go to movies. You know, right. uh, and and nowadays, you know, you have to really think about the the, the long run of the movie. So the theatrical is only just part of it. And in some cases, it ends up being kind of a lost leader that you use to publicize the film. It's kind of like, you know, you know, with rock groups now, the album is something that just publicizes the fact that they're going on a tour and they make their money from touring. Uh, you know, money kind of trickles in from all of our movies from, you know, you know, VOD and DVD and all these other kind of, you know, areas where you don't make much, but it, 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 it returns for a long time. Yeah, it seems like even more than some of your some of your other characters in other movies, the story of Bernice and Fontaine seems like it could power another movie. Would you ever consider, like, revisiting those two, seeing where their relationship has gone now, now that they've gone through all this? Yeah, usually when I'm finished with a movie, I'm done with it for a while. You mm-hmm. know, uh, people always ask me, you know, do you want to do another baseball movie or do you, you know, mm-hmm. what about the Return of the Caucus that I've been returning again 30 years later? And usually I, you know, I, because I make movies partly because I'm interested in 
something and I want to find out more about it, usually by the end of the movie, I've gotten to where I want to get with that question. Uh, I'd love to work with those actors again. You know, they were really great to work with, and uh, they're such good actors. But uh, yeah. I, I think I'd rather, you know, invent other characters for them. Although um, Eddie almost keeps saying he, he thinks there's going be a, a, a TV series for him. You know, his detective Suarez, you know, kind of a, a blind, <laughs> a blind Hispanic Columbo. <laughs> I think it would make for an awesome trio of detectives in the TV series. Well, John, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Um, I know we here in D.C., we're, well, actually, D.C. All, all around the country, actually, but we're, we're doing the Black Real Awards right now. And I know uh, I gave a couple of... Uh, Nominations for Lisa Gay and Yolanda and okay. Ross for that film. Okay. So hopefully they'll start getting some uh, some recognition because I do think they were both really fantastic. But yeah, we, we're just trying to get Yolanda an agent. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, she's she's been around for a while and and people kind of know her work a little bit, but she hasn't been in that much. So right. that uh, you know, it's really time people kind of realize that she's around and she got some more work because she's so good. I, I totally agree. Well, thank you, John, and whatever you end up doing next, uh, I, I hope I have a chance to talk to you about it. So, uh, okay. thanks so, again. Thank you. Thanks, All right, and that was my interview with John Sales. And, I, you know, you and I had talked about this a little bit off air, uh, Dave, that I think it's a crime that, that John Sales can't get more funding for his movies. And he's basically forced to to take these work-for-hire jobs for right. for the Hollywood that has basically shunned his movies for so long. Sure, but, I mean, he, he's one of those guys that, uh, like, he's he's almost like a critical darling. Like, everything he yeah. does is critically acclaimed. Uh, this one's, I don't think it's doing great, but I think it's doing fairly well. Mm-hmm. But pretty much everything he's made, like, from Lone Star to, to Madawan to even Brother from Another Planet, you know, like, yeah. in retrospect, like, it, it, it's all been... Didn't he good. write Piranha? Uh, he wrote Alligator. Alligator. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. And even even that, I like that movie. The first Alligator is actual. Is it's fun. It, it's a fun little film. Look, when he makes movies, I mean, there used to be a time where John Sales movies were like event movies, like they were prestige pictures. I mean, those movies you mentioned outside of Alligator, really, yeah. are, are like really important movies. Okay. Sure. You know, and but those movies don't. Hollywood doesn't make those movies now. Like they just don't. Well, here's the thing: is Hollywood is only interested in making 150 million dollar movies right. or one million dollar movies. He's not. They're not going to make the, the you know the 500 thousand dollars or even mm-hmm. like the, the the time of the 20 and 30 million dollar budget film is gone. Like right. the, those movies are no longer. Right. And that's kind of where I think if John Sales was still making the kind of pictures he was, that's yeah. where he would fall into the 20 to $30 million range. Yeah. And, and I think he said he made this movie for, what, about 800 k Yeah, 800000 like that. And, yeah. and I'm sure that was stretched to the breaking point. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I didn't see the film, but I, I just, from personal experience working on the set of a film that cost about a million dollars, I can tell you that it felt like it cost ten. Right, be, because they were stretching every single dollar that they had. Right, and yeah. you know this one is is filmed in multiple locations, and I think he talked a little bit about you know getting guys like Isaiah Washington and Harold Perrineau and Hector Elizondo, yeah. and, and basically they're paying they're getting paid scale, you know, for for working on a movie like this. And it, it's amazing to me uh, what actors will sacrifice in order to uh, to get through a movie. I worked yep. on Detachment with Adrian Brody, mm-hmm. and they shut that picture down. For uh, for a week because uh, Adrian Brody was was not getting uh, there was some, something with the contract wasn't quite working right. out 
it, so in order to um, to get SAG representatives off their back, they had to take Brody off the call sheet and pretend like he wasn't working. And oh, he came wow. to set and and, and and did it anyway. <laughs> and he, he he did it for the picture because he wanted yeah. to finish the picture because he believed in the picture. Now, ultimately, I didn't love the movie. What ended up coming out of it? It was okay. Right. But I never did get a chance to see that. I wanted to. I it's wanted it's to on Netflix it. now, so you can check yeah. it out. But like it's like when an actor believes in a picture, they'll do just about anything. Like a real like a real actor, like a, like Adrian Brody, who I, I believe is like even if you don't love his performances, he truly loves what he does. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's and, why I like him so much. And John Sayles and uh, yeah, guys like Harold Pernell, <laughs> uh, who's God, he is. He has been in everything. <laughs> everything. Wasn't, wait, wasn't he in Showgirls? I don't remember if he was in Showgirls. He probably was. I think he was in Showgirls, but uh, he's one of those guys that like he he's like this. He's he's got bit parts in every movie uh, that's ever been made. I think if you go to his IMDb, he's been in like two hundred and thirty some yeah, movies. Probably he's a phenomenal actor. He he really is good, and yeah. he's a very entertaining guy. He he really is. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna wrap this puppy up. Uh, we're gonna talk some news, uh, DVDs. Big news this week, and I want to. Huge I, news. I hate to I hate to rush through it, but we're going to. Um, but yeah, some some big stuff going on in in, uh, in Hollywood this week. So uh, we'll be right back, y'all. One second, please. Please, Mr. Kennedy. Oh, oh. I wanna go. Don't show me out of Oscar movies. Uh, the first one was from The Great Beauty, uh, which I believe is going to end up on the short list for uh, Best Foreign Film. Uh, if you haven't seen that one, definitely go check it out. It's from uh, Italian director Paolo Sorrentino. Brilliant movie. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I love it. And that music is from the opening scene where there's this huge party. And you can tell it's party music. It's party music. Yeah, definitely are, party music. They are getting down. Uh, and those last two clips are from Inside Lou and Davis, uh, the Coen Brothers film, which could earn an Oscar nomination for uh, <clears throat> ooh, my voice, I don't know what happened there uh, for um, for Oscar Isaac and possibly for the Coens as well. I think it'll probably end up in the in the in the ten for Best Picture. Oh, I, I think it'll definitely end up in Best Picture territory. Yeah. Um, I'd, whether the Coen Brothers get a nom for uh, directing, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, well, anyway, today's show is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider of spoken audio information and best-selling audio entertainment. Choose from their library of over 150,000 of your favorite books and listen to them anytime you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash cinema royale. That's audible.com slash cinema royale. All right, so 
Let's let's uh, let's talk about what's coming out on DVD next Tuesday real quick uh, before we jump into some news. How much money am I spending next week? Uh, this one has actually there's actually a lot coming out next week. Oh man, and some of it's actually pretty good. Uh, well, the first one's not. Uh, Percy Jackson Sea of Monsters comes out on Tuesday. That is December seventeenth. God, Christmas is right around the corner, y'all. Oh God, I know. Uh, Percy Jackson Sea of Monsters, which is absolutely horrible. Uh, <laughs> is it worse than the first one? Oh, it's so much worse. I actually like the first one. This one is terrible. I didn't like the first um, one, but I like Nathan Fillion, so I almost wanted to watch this one. <laughs> in fact, uh, in our we had we just recently uh, awarded our our WAFCA awards this week for mm-hmm. Washington D.C. Film Critics Association, and we have a special Joe Barber category for best uh, uh, interpretation of DC in a movie, best portrayal of DC in a movie. Okay, uh, Percy Jackson. Pretty much, we all agreed was the worst portrayal of DC in a movie because oh, it was right. clearly like Montreal or something. Oh, they were yeah, like yeah. skyscrapers and shit. We were like, "This is not DC." No, no, they don't. They don't put buildings that tall around here. We're like, "This is not." This no, is not they build out, not up. <laughs> I was like, "This does not look like DC." <laughs> it's like mountains and shit. We were like, "What?" <laughs> so anyway, no, Percy Jackson Sea of Monsters. It felt like a movie that nobody wanted to make, and nobody should go see it. Um. One Direction, This Is Us. This is the documentary about that group I don't know anything about. There's 20 bucks gone out of my pocket. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Buying it for my daughter. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I took her to go see it. I got to buy it for her. Oh, man. Uh, the Sound of Music Live. This is the thing that, that played last week with Carrie Underwood that everybody is just crushing. This is uh, a thing that I will never watch. Yeah, I don't like the original Sound of Music, so I definitely didn't want to oh, watch wow. this one. Yeah, I don't give a shit about that. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Uh, the Lone Ranger. Uh, this oh. is probably the biggest flop of the year. Uh, definitely. Yeah, with Johnny Depp and Army Hammer. and every, Basically, everybody who who had anything to do with Pirates of the Caribbean made this movie, and nobody cared. Yeah, so okay. that one was a, was a dud. Uh, here's a good one though. Elysium comes out on DVD and Blu-ray Tuesday. Uh, this is the uh, follow-up from. F- d- shut up. Uh, this is the uh, follow-up film from from Neil Blomkamp. No, won't be buying that one. <laughs> I, I will definitely be buying that one. Uh, it looks nice. It, it looks fantastic. It's guys. a nice looking movie. It, it's a, all right, it's, 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 it was okay. <laughs> it was it was so disappointing though to go from District Nine to Elysium, and I was like, District Nine is. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So great. And Elysium was so like, it's, that's okay. <laughs> no, I, I like it. Um, Kick-Ass 2. Here's another disappointing one. Uh, oh, God, no. Yeah. That that was almost unwatchable, to yeah, be honest. Kick-Ass 2 was not good. And I'll tell you what, it it, it scares me a little bit. Uh, because the guy who directed it, Jeff Wadlow, is doing the X-Force movie. Uh, and I'm hoping... That Please he, don't. He's, he's doing the X-Force movie. So I'm hoping that Please he does a fired. much better job on that <laughs> than he did with Kick-Ass 2, which it's it, it's so different than Kick-Ass, it's, it's almost ridiculous. Yeah, it's, yeah, just, it is. it's almost like a parody uh, of a parody, is really yeah. what it was. It, it's like 
the Asylum directed the second part like of Kick-Ass. Yeah. You want to see how losing a director can affect a, yeah. a movie? Go go from Matthew Vaughn to Jeff Wadlow and see and you see what happens in no. Kick-Ass. Uh, Prisoners. This is the extremely dark film with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Hugh Jackman. One of my favorite movies of the year. Yeah, um, me too. Not a movie that I want to watch a lot, although I did watch it a second time a few days ago. I will be buying it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm considering that one. I'm considering buying that one. Um, Prisoners is one to definitely invest in. Uh, the Family. Uh, this is Robert De Niro, Michelle Pfeiffer. Luke Besson movie, action, action comedy about a, a a mob family and witness protection. I didn't think this was terrible. I actually thought it was okay. Uh, and I'm, I kind of fell in love with Diana Agron a little bit in this movie. So uh, um, I have no complaints about her, <laughs> but uh, I did not find the movie as funny as some other people did. Uh, Ain't Them Body Saints, uh, which I saw at Sundance and absolutely loved. A beautiful cinematography by and David Lowry, great director. Um, this one, it you know a lot of people compare it to to Malick, and I I can see you know some of that in this movie. But uh, this is better than anything Malik has done lately. Uh, I'm sorry, it's true. Uh, and I'm right there with you. Yeah. I, I think Malik has kind of been meandering through the last few years of his career. So yeah. no kidding. And Especially I did. did you saw like, To the Wonder then. Yeah, I didn't like that. But yeah, Ain't Them Body Saints. Uh, ben Foster, who I th- I'm pretty sure I nominated for Best Supporting Actor in our WAFCO Awards. He's brilliant. He definitely should have because Sm- he's awesome. I don't I don't say this too often about guys, but he was smoldering in that movie. He really was. Uh, Rooney, Rooney, <laughs> Rooney Mara uh, stars in it, and uh, and Casey Affleck as well. It's kind of a neo western in a lot of ways, and I yeah. just think the movie is is really really well done. Uh, Museum Hours, which is a movie that everybody I know who, who has seen it loves it. I have not seen it, so I'm gonna go and check that out. Probably rent it. And Newly Leads, which is another Sundance film uh, about a African American couple who are druggies and they kind of fall in love and things like that. I heard good things about it, which is the only reason why I'm mentioning it. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, so that pretty pretty decent lineup of movies this Tuesday. Sure. If you want to, you know, spend some money, there's two. I'll yeah. buy two. Yeah, go to the uh, PunchDrunkCritics.com website and click on the shop button and uh, and pick it up for somebody for Christmas or buy it for yourself as a as a special holiday treat. All right, let's get into some news here, man, because we got a lot of shit going on here, and it's all it's all comic book shit, which is you know really the only stuff I care about. Surprise! I know, hey, shocker. <laughs> all right. All right, so, all right, so I don't know if I talked about this last time. I'm pretty sure I didn't, but um, uh, Brian Singer announced that there's going to be a new X-Men movie, X-Men Apocalypse, coming out May 27th, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is going to be a direct sequel to X-Men: Days of Future Past. Now I'm an X-Men guy. I've been reading them sure, 30 yeah. plus years. I love them. I, okay. I love X-Men as well. Yeah, love the X-Men. Uh, so I get excited anytime there's X-Men news. Um. I, I'm I'm interested in seeing how this movie is going to go because Apocalypse is a is a is a villain with a lot of backstory to him, and this, it's, this they could make a three-hour movie and I'd be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and and Apocalypse is going to be in the in the film, and I'm not going to spoil how he gets into the movie because that is out there now. If you go to punchdrunkcritics.com okay. and, and and look up X-Men Apocalypse, we have. The spoil, very spoilerish breakdown of how he actually emerges in X Men: Days of Future Past, setting up this next movie. But uh, it's interesting. It's not the typical take on Apocalypse, right? But it sounds like they are going to use this as a springboard to bigger things, of course, 
as sure. you, as you would expect. Right. Because with Apocalypse comes Cable. With a with a with Cable comes X Force, which we already know is being made. Yeah. So there's a lot of things going on here. And the original cast, uh, this one is mostly going to follow the X Men First Class crew, um, but the older people who were also in Days of Future Past are going to be expected back as well, probably for smallerish roles. That's a shame, because so. I like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine so much. But I understand, like, Hugh Jackman's oh, well, got to be getting yeah. tired of playing Wolverine, because that's, like, it feels like what it, that's all he's been <clears> doing <throat> for the last 15 or 20 years. Well, he's just in Prisoners. He's yeah, like Prisoners, now. he was great in that, by the yeah. way. Uh, Hugh Jackman keeps busy with a lot of different things. I, I feel like Wolverine is, like, you know, like his his uh, his dessert. Like, he does that. Like, that's his... That's where he goes to have fun, and he does yeah. these other movies like Les Miserables. He, no, he didn't have no fun making Les Miserables. He didn't have any fun making Prisoners, but he probably has fun make, doing Wolverine. I had no fun watching Les Miserables, so that's fine. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah, he deserves, <laughs> he deserves to not have any fun, considering how long and boring that shit was. But anyway, so there's a new X-Men movie for you. And, and we also kind of learned that, that Fox is planning their own cohesive world uh, run by Simon Kinberg. Right. That is going to combine the X Men and the Fantastic Four universes that they both have, um, which is interesting as well. Mm. I'm hoping we don't see Reed Richards in an X Men movie or anything. That would be weird, right? But I could see them sharing some villains, maybe. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I could see that <coughs> happening. And then uh, obviously they're rebooting Fantastic Four, which may or may not be good. God, I hope it is better than what they had before. Yeah, it, it can't be worse, really. <laughs> I, mean, well, I, mean, I mean, it could. I mean, it could be. It could be Roger Corman version. Yeah, but it's not going to be. Roger I, you know, <laughs> I the Roger Corman version was at least funny. <laughs> not intentionally, <laughs> unintentionally, funny. but uh, it was still funny. <laughs> uh, all right, what else we got here? Um, I'm going to skip down to Jason Clark as the new John Connor. Shit, in yes. Terminator Genesis. I, that's the reaction I wanted to hear. Yes, I love Jason <laughs> Clark. And God knows, I mean, like, if Christian Bale's not coming back, which, uh, that movie that he was in, it, it, Terminator it's Salvation. not even a Terminator movie. It's just an action movie with robots, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. No. They, they, they can skip Terminator Salvation, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. They're rebooting this franchise here. They've got Alan Taylor, the guy who did Thor to Dark World. He's directing it. And they're still looking at who's going to play Sarah Connor. And it looks like it's going to be either Amelia Clark or Brie Larson. Uh, I vote Brie. I vote Brie for all things, of course. Um, but I, I like her. I don't know if I see her playing uh, Linda, ha- Linda Hamilton's role, though. It's kind of well, weird. This, but I, I, I give her. She's also going to yeah. be a little bit different. I mean, she's not going to be bulked up Sarah Connor, who's breaking out of prison. Obviously, this yeah. is going to be this is going to be her when she's a little bit more desperate, I think, and, and kind of surprised at what's going on here. Is, um, yeah. So this is going to be different. That now they're also planning this TV series tie-in to the Terminator movie, which reboot. is also awesome. I don't know. I'm not as I'm not as excited. I love about the that. Sarah Connor Chronicles. I I, I I watched the first season and got bored. I love them. I they, tried. I, yeah, bring I back tried. David Austin Green. Come on. I tried. Well, this this new tie-in is is obviously going is going to uh, relate to the movies and uh, basically the way it's going to go is it's going to follow the path of the 1984 movie, but at a certain point it's going to diverge and go in a different direction. Now we don't know when or where that's going to be. Okay. But uh, and uh, at some point the movies and the and the TV show will will Connect. merge. Okay. So that that's interesting. But if the show turns out to not be a hit, how badly could it affect the movies? That's big a time. It's kind of a gamble, I think, yeah. on their part. Now, obviously, yes. like if it doesn't, if the TV show doesn't work out and the timelines don't merge like they want them to, they, it doesn't necessarily have to happen right. in order to push the story forward. So it could right. still be interesting. I, and I wonder how they're going to do that without. 
the cast of the movies involved. I mean, I, I don't know how they're... This whole thing seems like it's it might be too messy for its own good. Right. So. They're, they're, they're kind of taking the Marvel yeah. plan and trying to plan things out 15 <clears> years <throat> in advance. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but, I, but in general, I love the idea of Jason Clark as John Connor. I think it's awesome. But there's one thing to, to consider here, though. Uh, Jason Clark is like twice as old as both Amelia Clark and Brie Larson. Oh, so, yeah. So, so that's ex- a little expect weird. Expect some, some time travel hinkiness there. Yeah. Maybe the older version will come back in time or something like that, and I don't know. Do you think that uh, Do you think that Nick Stahl is upset that he's not coming back? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, hey, guys, I'm available. And they're like, we know. <laughs> I, you know what? I, for- <laughs> I totally forgot about Nick Stahl. <laughs> Nick Stahl. <laughs> yeah, Nick Stahl. Man, did his time go come and go really quick, didn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I haven't liked him since Bully, honestly. You know, I, I, have a, I have this thing. I think he is a good actor. And I think he can be a very good actor. Yes. I don't. I think his personal issues got in the way of him becoming absolutely a, a, a major star because I think he had the potential to be a major star. Absolutely. He is, he's been very good in, in in the few things that he was in early in his career. Absolutely. All right, more Marvel. Um, War Machine is going to be in Avengers: Age of Ultron. They're bringing in Don Cheadle. For that movie, which I think is awesome. Because um, Cheadle, yeah, why not? Exactly. More Cheadle is always a good thing. Always. Always. Um, but, of course, the, the suggestion that, that came with the story is that Marvel is hedging their bets in case Robert Downey Jr. doesn't do more movies after this. So bring in his pal, James Rhodes. Right. You know, bring in somebody else who can wear the suit, you know, and, and kind of, you know, cover your ass just in case. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think that's just... That's just speculation. I, I, have a, I feel like Robert Downey will stick around for the long haul because he only has to do these team movies every couple of years. I don't think we'll right. see Iron Man 4 ever, probably. No, but, I hope not. Right, but I don't see any reason why he would be like, yeah, I don't want to come back every two years to for the the 30 days of shooting I have to do on Avengers. For, for like $20 million. For, right, for, for, for 20, 25 million bucks. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. So I don't think that's the case. I think there's a... And, and honestly, I don't think that Josh Whedon would think about that either. I think when he's planning this story, there's probably a, a, a real part for War Machine to play. Yeah, I think so, so too. Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> uh, I, I like. I honestly, I'm interested in learning more about uh, that character anyway. Yeah. So I think it'd be it'd be fun. And it makes sense because if you've seen Iron Man three, then you know what Tony Stark is going to be going through by the time he gets to the Avengers. Yeah. He's going to need his pals. Like, yeah. I, I imagine that we'll probably see Gwyneth Paltrow appear in the Avengers Ultron as well. So I'm not surprised by any of this. Um, and news that dropped uh, really just this early, really early this morning, um, Spider-Man, uh, Sony is expanding the franchise, and they are moving forward with a Venom and Sinister Six spinoff. Uh, so basically, awesome. now, here's the thing. Here's how this whole thing was basically set up. <clears throat> a couple of days ago, Andrew Garfield came out in an interview and said, basically, that Amazing Spider-Man 4, he has nothing to do with it. Uh, he's not signed on for that. Now, you can say that's probably, you know, contract bullshitting, like a lot of these actors do. But it's a little early for that. And, and I, I wrote that in my piece. I was like, it's a little early for him to start already negotiating for, for you know, for right. 4. So there's something else going on here. And a couple of days later, we get this story that that uh, basically what they're doing, what Sony is doing, is is after three, they're going to be moving forward with a Venom movie and a Sinister Six movie. So, so what we have here are I, I'm assuming that Amazing Spider-Man four, which always felt like an outlier to me, sure, because Mark Webb had always said this is a trilogy, this is a trilogy. So four felt weird. Basically, they're, they're moving on past Spider-Man. The fourth movie will be 
Venom, Venom. or Venom or Sinister Six. Probably won't see Spider-Man in it at all. Um, but, and you know. and I think that's okay. <clears throat> yeah, I have no problem with it either. I'm just curious about how they're going to do it. Now it's going to be Alex Kurtzman directing um, the Venom movie. Uh, it was initially uh, being eyed by um, by Josh Trank, the guy who did Chronicle, which I thought would have been amazing. That'd have been a very cool. But, he, but he's busy with Fantastic Four, so there's no way he can do that too. Um, so yeah, so Alex Kurtzman, I'm not really excited about that, but whatever. We'll we'll see how it goes. I can't really judge him based on the one movie he directed. Right. I don't think that's fair. I could, you can judge him based on the 40 he's written, though. Well, I, yeah. Well, he's yeah. He's also co-writing this with with Bob Orsi and <sighs> and Jeff Pinkman. So yeah, I can I can be worried about that. I am worried about that. <laughs> but the uh, <laughs> but the interesting thing is the Sinister Six movie is going to be done by at least written and possibly directed by Drew Goddard. Uh, the guy who did the cabin in the woods. Yeah, no, I, I like Josh, his stuff. Yep, uh, Josh Whedon's buddy. Yeah, um, he's also doing the Daredevil Netflix series for Marvel. That so. that, that I think could be interesting. And that, who, somebody interesting is directing the first episode of Daredevil, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember who it is. I don't know who it is. Uh, well, while you're going through the rest of that news, I'll pull it up okay. and find out. Cause I'm yeah. yeah. So uh, so yeah, so Marvel, uh, Sony is expanding this thing big time, and and I'm excited. And, Spider-Man has never been my favorite character, but I feel like they got off to a really good start with the with Amazing Spider-Man. And I know uh, people had some issues with it. There are some issues with it, I can understand. But uh, but I like where they're going with this. And I'm interested to see how all of this is going to build, especially when you start adding in people like Mary Jane, because you know she's going to show up yeah, this thing at some point, presumably. And, and who knows where they're going to go with... Uh, with uh, Emma Stone's character, I think we have a pretty good idea of where that's going to go. So, but anyway, uh, so yeah, so there's Spider-Man, and the only other thing I had was uh, was Fast and Furious Seven, uh, which it looks like Universal is going to try to have ready by January to right. start filming. <clears throat> They've brought in uh, the franchise writer Chris Morgan, and he's going to try and salvage what they did with with Seven, what they've already done so far, mm-hmm. in order to give Paul Walker's character. Uh, an easy retirement out of the movies. I think it's smart. It's smart of them to to, to do this and not kill off Brian O'Connor. That would have been the worst possible thing. Really? Do you think so? Yeah. I think people. I mean, I've been sort of shocked by the by how affected people are by Paul Walker's death. I uh, really, yeah. I really I mean, have been, and I think it'd be it'd be a little bit insensitive to have him go out there and like blow get blown up or something. Which, <laughs> which, which, but, but that was yeah, that's I essentially mean, what they would have to do. I mean, they would have to have him blown up or something like that because you can't, you can, you can't just have him get killed or get shot or something because he's that's not been filmed. But you can have him be blown oh, up. No, yeah, I didn't think you could do that because they did that with uh, Brandon Lee. They <coughs> sh- they shot him on screen even though he was shot. <laughs> yeah, but they've they've already kind of ruled stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I I think they should just uh, as long as they're getting it done, you know. Yeah. That's now if they if Morgan is not able to come up with a with a way to salvage this thing, then they're going to have to start over. Mm-hmm. Um, which is going to cost 150 million dollars, um, but it's it's all insured. It would be the biggest insurance claim in Hollywood history. That is 100, crazy. 150 million dollars. Yeah. So, uh, but it's a possibility, and in fact, I think that's probably what's going to end up happening. I, I don't think that Morgan is going to be able to use what they've already shot to be able to to kind of mold together uh, Brian O'Connor leaving the group. I don't think that can be done. Wow. Uh, I think they're going to end up starting over, but we'll see. Uh, Drew Goddard, by the way, is also directing the first episode of Daredevil as well as writing oh. it. So okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, cool. I think that's pretty awesome. All right, so I think we're 
pretty much out of here. I want to thank you all for joining me on today's show. I want to thank Tim Gordon for calling in to talk about The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, and Saving Mr. Banks. And I want to thank John Sales for talking to me about Gopher Sisters. Uh, if it's in your town, I definitely say go check it out. It is playing here in Washington, D.C. right now. I believe at the West End Theater and maybe at the Landmark East Street as well. Uh, I'm Travis Hobson. Uh, you can find me every single day at PunchDrunkCritics.com, uh, Examiner.com, and of course here on Cinema Royale on Blog Talk Radio and the Hashtag Studios Broadcast Network. Uh, go to hashtag studios.tv uh, to check out all of our programming. It's all excellent, but especially mine. Uh, anyway, uh, anyway, <laughs> on next week's show, uh, we're going to start our end of the year breakdown list, and we're going to be talking about our best movies of the year. I've been racking my brain coming up with uh, my favorite movies of the year. I've seen 220 movies this year, which I think is, I think, the a record for me. So yeah, so we're gonna start our uh, start doing that. Uh, we're also gonna talk about American Hustle and Inside Lou and Davis from the Coen Brothers. Um, your best movies of the weekend, uh, like I mentioned before, go see Go for Sisters. Uh, check out Frozen, uh, which I think is Disney's best movie in a long time, and also The Hobbit. Those are your best choices this weekend. Uh, I want to thank you all for joining me. It's been a great show. I will talk to you soon. Goodbye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.